Already said it's been a little bit of a morning with technical difficulties and that. Um, fortunately, I'm not relying on my iPad a whole lot this morning because I woke up this morning and it didn't charge through the night. So I've been doing some last minute charging here to get it up and running for us. But, um, and I mean, even with the difficulties we're having with the screens and the online and all the things that are happening right now, is to me it demonstrates how we need to just be adaptable, versatile, and not so dependent on these things. And I've said this before and even saw it happen um, a couple weeks ago. Um, Anna and I, we live on the river and we have a nice spot overlooking the one part of the channel there. So we see a lot of people going by down in you know, canoes, kayaks, rafts, all kinds of things. About two weeks ago, a couple young girls were out there. One was in a kayak, one was on a paddleboard. And I was actually working on one of my sermons at that time, out overlooking the river, and I hear this splash. And I look up, and the girl on the paddleboard had gone over. I don't know if what happened, why she did it on purpose, or if she just fell. Well, the next thing I start hearing, because you know how water carries sound very well? Yeah. I hear all kinds of expletives coming up to my ears. You know, she wasn't happy. And in the midst of some of these, I heard that my phone went over. And she's looking around, you know, the phone's gone for a dive, basically. And some of the holes in that area are 30 or 40 feet deep, so she's not finding the thing. And for probably at least half an hour, she sat there on her paddleboard, almost like in a dejected, life is over type of stance. And I can feel for her. I mean, you know, you, you lose that thing, whether it's expensive or not, is we tie our lives up into these things too much is that if I were to throw this thing and you know, break it, if I'd thrown it in the river, the message would still be brought. Yes. Okay? We need to be relying on the things that God puts in our hands. I mean, this is a good tool, but if it's everything in our lives, our lives are a little too tied up into something that can be lost pretty quickly. Yeah. So my encouragement with you there is don't rely on these things to run your life because they will run your life. But... And just, you know, those of you that have been with us for the last month or so, um, remember the battle plan that I started out with about a month ago? Yeah. That was my message that I thought for one week. Okay, here we are four weeks into it, and God just keeps giving me more and more. And so what we're working on now with the Wounded Warrior Part 2 is what I believe is the culmination of the battle plan and, you know, the effects of it. Um, even what I talked on last week with Friendly Fire, that was going to be a five-minute segment of this message. But then God just kept showing me more and more, and I think this is actually the most important part of the message was the Friendly Fire portion. Because we all know we're in a spiritual battle, right? Yeah, right. Ephesians 6.12, we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against the powers, principalities, and rulers of darkness, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the battle lies. It's not here. It's not amongst you know, those that are in flesh and blood. Um, and so last week as I was talking about the friendly fire, the question that keeps coming back to my mind and you know, I'm saying is, are we wounding each other? You know, as fellow Christians, as parts of the body of Christ, are we wounding each other whether we're doing it on purpose or just out of ignorance because we don't know the words that we're saying, how they affect people? And so what Paul told the Corinthian church is, if I come to the church and I see all these things, and he said contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wraths, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, 
all the things that Paul listed that he expected to see when he came to the Corinthian church, we should not be seeing those things, not just in PF, but in any church that calls on the name of Christ. And I want to make a very maybe unpopular statement right now, but it's one that keeps coming back to my mind, is if we are guilty of friendly fire, as the body of Christ, if we are doing friendly fire, if we're wounding each other with our words and our actions, we're doing Satan's work. That's right. Yeah. Let that sink in for a minute. We're called to be doing the work of the Lord. But if we're being jealous of each other, if we're gossiping about each other, we're doing Satan's work for him. That's right. And so he says, eh, I don't need to deal with this place. They're already doing their own harm. And so God forbid that we're doing that, that we're harming each other with our words and our actions. We need to be very diligent about making sure that the things that we're thinking, the things that we're saying are not harming each other. Because if we are, we're doing Satan's work for him. And someday when you stand before God and all the things that you've said, all the things you've thought, all the things you've done are brought before you in that big movie theme of your life, are you going to be guilty of aiding and abetting the enemy? I mean, those of you in the military, I'm, you've heard those terms and it gets thrown, a little, thrown around a little bit now and then, is it's a treasonous activity to abate and abet the enemy. So we don't want to be guilty of that. Um, Zechariah 13, verse 6. This is a pretty obscure verse that I just, you know, God showed me. And in Zechariah, um, says, someone asked, what are these wounds on your arms? And the answer that this person gave is, those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Friendly fire. And so someday when you stand before God and there's those standing around you that you've witnessed to that maybe you've had an impact on and God asks them what the wounds are, don't let yourself be the reason that they can answer, I was in the house of my friends and that's where I got these wounds. So pretty happy message, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. But the body of Christ, we're too guilty of that. I mean, we see it time and time again that churches have you know, splits, they have divisions because the people have never taken the time to invest in each other, to spend time with each other, to get to know each other. And so when we don't do those things, it's easy to talk poorly of other people, to gossip. And with my message last week, um, how many of you did drive-bys at Huey's? Those of you who were here last week know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Not intentional? Okay. Just looking out for my best interest. Okay. All right. So friendly fire, we need to guard our mouths. We need to guard our hearts of what's coming out of them and what we're seeing and doing is we need to take the point where we're not doing Satan's work for him anymore. Um, did everybody get a handout that wanted one? We've been trying to do the notes to make it easy. If anybody does not have a handout, Raise your hand and we will have people rush them over to you because we've already done the first part. Friendly fire is we're doing Satan's work for him. But this week's message is the result of the battle. Okay, we've talked about the battle plan. We've talked about knowing ourselves, our strengths, our weaknesses, knowing Christ, knowing the enemy, knowing the training that we have to do. 
And part of the training, um, Steve announced that we're going to be starting the ISOM classes, the Harvest School in September. So again, I'm the one that if you have any questions on that, come find me and ask. Um, actually, one other thing that I forgot to announce is um, the church picnic on the 29th of this month, we're going to be doing river baptisms. So anybody that's interested in being baptized, we're actually going to have a meeting next week after church, um, the 22nd. If you are interested in being baptized, we'll have a meeting after the service, probably in the cafe. So if you are interested in being baptized, come find me on next Sunday so that we can get your name down, so we can go over a few things. That Baptism isn't just something we do for the sake of doing it because you're hot and wanted to get a dip on that day. It's a symbolism of the new life that you're embracing in Christ. Yeah. So that's what baptism is. So if they're interested in being baptist, baptized in the river on the 29th, come next Sunday after church. Um, if you do not want to be baptized in the river, we still have the baptismal upstairs that we will continue to use uh, if you're not going to be here on that day. So anyhow, with that, find me. So the results of the battle... And the question is, you know, when generals, when military leaders are planning battles, they always have a section or a part of the battle plan that they call acceptable losses. Is we're going to go and we're going to attack the enemy and we can lose up to this percentage of our forces and still carry the battle and know that we have reserves in you know, place also. But when we're talking about the battle that we're in, the spiritual battle we're in, are there any acceptable losses? You know, obviously we'd like to say no, that there would never be any losses because we're fighting for the Lord, right? But we know the reality of that is not true. So some of the losses that we'll see in battle, I've got five different losses, loss categories that we will see when we're battling the forces of darkness. Um, the first one is death. Okay, spiritual battle, there will be death, Okay. But the point I want to make with this one is death cannot occur until God allows it. That's right. And Psalm 28, verse 8. The Lord is their strength, and he is a saving defense to his anointed. Okay, to me, what that speaks of is God's watching out for us. That if we're fighting his battle, we're his anointed, he's our saving defense. We don't have to do it on our own. And example I'd like to use with that is, how many have ever seen a movie that came out probably 15 years ago? I think it's Tip of the Spear or End of the Spear. Can't remember which one it's called. End of the Spear? Okay. Powerful movie. If you've never seen it, look it up. Um, I think you actually can buy it in the bookstore over there. But the story is that there was a group of young men that were called to the Lord to go to the Quechua Indians down in Peru, I believe it was. And... None of them spoke Quechua, um, but they went in and they were actually able to make contact with them. And the story is Jim Elliott and Nate Sane are the two names I could remember. Is they were in there and the, you know, they'd landed on a sandbar in the middle of the river and that's kind of where they set up their camp. And the story as it came out throughout the years is that the Quechua Indians went there numerous times to kill them. And they said that every time they had gone, that there was like a uh, shield or angels of light around the camp that Nate Saint and Jim Elliott were in. So they knew that they couldn't touch them. One night when the Quechua went there after, I think it had been months of them being there, is the light was not there. 
And so they went in and killed, I think there were six of them. They went in and killed all six of them. End of the story, obviously not. Is what they saw after that, what they saw even as they killed them, they, one of the leaders shared the things he saw in the spirit that spoke to his heart. And then when the family of the murdered men came back and actually lived with the Quechua, they knew something was different. And it actually turned the entire village to Christ. Because when God said their, their time, that what Jim Elliott and Nate Saint had done was the opening of the door. Their purpose was done. God allowed them to be killed. But they did not die until God said it's time. So when death occurs, we mourn. You know, it's our loss in this earth when somebody we love dies or somebody we know dies. But we know that they're in glory. So, I mean, it's hard for us. But God has a plan that sometimes we don't see until years later or until we're standing in his presence. So death is one of the aspects that we're going to expect in a spiritual battle, in a, even a f physical battle. The one I'm going to talk about the most is the wounded. And friendly fire is one of those, um, the wounds that we cause each other. But the enemy is also trying to wound us. And one of the tactics that I want to talk about with wounding is again in warfare and battles of man against man is one of the tactics that snipers will use is if they can get a guy out by himself, they'll wound him. They won't kill him, they'll wound him because he knows that the camaraderie is others will try and come and rescue him, yeah. expose themselves to his fire, pick them off one by one as they come and try and help the other one. Okay, So that's a very powerful tactic of physical enemies Satan will do the same thing. You know, that's why in Peter it says, you know, be sober and vigilant because the enemy looks to whom he can devour. Yeah. Is if he can find me off on my own, not surrounded by men of God, I'm a target. Okay? But the difference that we should have as Christians is if a comrade of mine gets wounded, we should actually rally to them as a body. Because when we are gathered together in Christ's name, there's strength. Okay. When we gather around a wounded person, the enemy is pushed away. He's not the easy target anymore. So we need to be thinking opposite of what they, happens in warfare, is that when a sniper takes a person out, he's going to keep trying to pick us off one by one. But if we come together as a body and surround the wounded, we offer protection. That's what our prayers are. That's what our fellowship is. It's a time of protection over the wounded. In 2 Thessalonians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, We glory in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. And so what Paul's speaking of again there is persecutions and tribulations, is the ways that people are wounding. You know, how is the enemy persecuting you? How is he beating you down? Tribulation. Those are things that may be wounding you. And his purpose for that is if he can wound you, can get discouraged pretty easily, right? Okay, why am I continuing to have this problem? Why am I not hearing from God? Whatever the things may be, is he's trying to discourage you. He's trying to isolate you and thinking you're the only one going through those problems. And none of us have unique situations. You know, I'll guarantee you, I may not have the same situations as you do, but in the history of man, in the body of Christ, there are no unique situations. 
somebody is going through the same issues that you may be, the same woundings that you are, and if you just keep them to yourselves, if you refuse to acknowledge them, then you're going to continue struggling on your own. But that's why he's made us a body, is so we can work together, so we can you know, gain strength from each other. And Paul and Silas um, are a great example of this, is Paul and Silas are out preaching the word, delivering the word of God, and the people of the town didn't like it. Okay? The ones in power, those that were you know, being offended by that. So they took them and they beat them, put them in prison. Okay? They were wounded for doing the Lord's work. What happened at the end of that? Is it says at midnight, as they were praising God, even while they were sitting in a stinking jail, chained to the walls, they started praising God. And what happened in that is it shook the foundations of the jail. The shackles fell off their arms that even in the situation that they were in for doing God's work, they continued to praise him and it broke off the chains that were holding them. Yeah. And it broke open the jail wall or the gates to the jail. And it says that the jailer is about to kill himself. And they said, don't do that. And when he heard the word of God and saw what God had done, he and his whole household were converted. And it says, and he tended to their wounds. Yeah. And so know that there are going to be woundings, that there's going to be things happening in your life that you may not like. And you say, I'm doing God's work. Why is this happening to me? Well, you're no different than Paul and Silas. If you're doing God's work, you can expect persecution and tribulation because Satan does not want you doing that work. He wants you doing the friendly fire work where you're hurting each other. Third category of results of the battle is captured. And a lot of stories in the Bible <clears throat> excuse me, that we see is when a king would capture Jerusalem or parts of Israel, is he would take some of the people and take them to his home country, partially as trophies, showing off, hey, look what I conquered, but also that if I can take, if I'm taken out of what I'm familiar with, my home turf, if you will, I'm also a little less likely to stay strong, to rebel, because I'm in unfamiliar territory. I don't speak the language, whatever it happens to be. So being captured is a result of the battle, too. In um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9 says, Do not be carried away or captured by diverse and strange doctrines or teachings. And Ephesians 4.14 4 says the same thing. Don't be children tossed to and fro, carried away or captured by every wind of doctrine, by slight or lie of men, cunning craftiness and deceit. And so being captured is one of the tactics of the enemy also. And one of the easiest ways for us to be captured is because we don't know the Bible. That's right. Okay. That as you're sitting here right now, and that's why I encourage you is to take notes, you know, to bring your actual Bible with you and get familiar with where the different scriptures are is because if you know what the Word of God says for yourself, the enemy's going to have a lot harder time deceiving you and carrying you away captive by false winds and false doctrines. So we have to know our Bible so that we do not get carried away, get captured. Um, the fourth category is being AWOL. Okay. Those of you not in the military, everybody know what AWOL is? Okay, away without leave. It means you've deserted your post, you've deserted your unit. And these are those that have abandoned the faith also. 
And in Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, it's Jesus teaching about the soils, the different soils and the types of soils. And in verse 5, he says, His word, God's word, fell in stony ground where there was not much earth, and it quickly sprang up, the seed did, because the earth was shallow. But when the sun comes up, they're scorched because they have no root and they wither away. And Jesus actually goes on to explain that parable in verses 20 and 21. And he's talking about the condition of your heart. And he said that the, some of the hearts were stony, stony soil. They hear the words of God and they receive it with joy. But the roots are shallow and they endure for a little while. But when tribulation and persecution come, they become offended and fall away. Okay, So they're AWOL. They've left the battle. And again, the question that came back to me with this one is how many of these people that are AWOL, they've gone away without leave, they've deserted the faith, is because of friendly fire? Keep coming back to that, that our first priority is when people walk into these doors is that we're greeting them, we're loving on them, we're showing them that no matter what they're coming through those doors with, we love them. Discipling them, showing them the ways of God, that comes after the relationship, relationship has been built. If somebody walks through the doors and they admit they've got, you know, let's say, a pornography addiction, and I immediately just start beating them down, okay, stop doing it. You don't need that stuff. What, what good does that do? It doesn't do them a bit of good. But when they've understood that we care about them, that we want to spend time, take time to help them walk through this thing, then they're going to embrace it a little better. They're not going to run away because we've you know, immediately bounced on them and told them that they need to straighten up their lives. God doesn't want us to straighten up our lives to come to him. He wants us to come to him so he can straighten up our lives. He wants to take us and transform us into the image of Christ, and that's not just something that happens like that. It's something that is a process of time. It's a process right. of spending time with the Father. And so Sunday morning is a good starting point. But our walk and our time with Christ needs to be something we do on an ongoing basis. Because if we only, again, if we only eat one meal a week, we're going to be pretty weak. We're going to be pretty malnourished. We need to constantly be feeding this thing physically and spiritually. So do not allow yourselves to be a wall, And the friendly fire, the problem with that is that people come here wounded and before the love of God, the word of God has time to penetrate their heart, we've annoyed them, we've abused them, we've hurt them, and they go somewhere else. They go looking for answers somewhere else. Um, Mahatma Gandhi is a good example of this. Um, he was in South Africa and he was curious about the Christian faith. And the story as I heard it is he went into a church that was primarily you know, white. And they basically told him, this isn't your place. There's a church for you down the road. And they basically turned him off that if this is what Christianity is like, I want nothing to do with it. And he rose to prominence, you know, helped India get through some very major struggles and break free from the British, all the things that he did. But imagine if he had been embraced by the Christian body. 
what difference he could have made. What, how would India be different today if the Christian body had embraced him and he had embraced Christ? But that's just one of those speculations that we don't get to do. The last category that I want to talk about is MIA, missing in action. Um, that term, as far as I know, um, came to prominence during and following the Vietnam War. Um, Vietnam was just such a different <clears throat> battlefield in so many respects. Is that guys you know, would get separated from their unit and just get lost in the jungle, literally. And so there's, you know, I think there's still thousands of unaccounted men over in Vietnam from the United States that families don't know if they actually died or if they were taken prisoner and died in captivity. We don't know. And so that's one of the things that the battle can also bring. And MIAs, as I saw it, is it's those that have come into the church, spent some time here with us, but we've never got to know them. We've never introduced ourselves to each other. We haven't spent time getting to know each other. And so they just slip through the cracks, as they say. So if somebody misses church for the next three weeks, who would notice? Okay. The people that you sit around. I mean, you're also creatures of habit. Okay. Except I made Cody and Bailey change their location for the dedication this morning. But... All of us, I mean, I can look around this sanctuary, and I've been up here enough times now, I kind of know where you guys sit. I expect to see certain faces in every section here. And so what I want you guys to do next week is switch it up. I mean, I don't want this whole section moving over here. Okay? I want a few of you just to pick some different spots and go and meet some new people. Because you get to know the people right around you. You have that tendency that you'll be friendly with those right in your little circle area, but we need to cross the borders. We need to get to know each other on the other side of the room. Because in doing that, it's going to be a little harder for people to slip through the cracks. So, and my validation for that, and we've used it before, is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And it says, do not forsake the gathering together. Okay. Do not forsake gathering together, not just on Sundays, but, you know, have a gathering where you invite each other over to your house. You know, the picnic, the different things that we're doing, it's about the gathering is getting to know each other. Because if we know each other, it's going to be harder for some person, some family to disappear from our midst. And if you say, well, nobody talks to me. Okay, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, well, nobody talks to me while I'm here. Okay, be the one to go talk to someone else. That's right. Don't wait for somebody. I know that's hard for some of your personalities, and some of you may not believe that about me, but I'm not the most outgoing guy here. Okay? No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> Diane's right. Okay? But if you just make the effort, if you get past your own faults, your own limitations, step out of it. You'll find that everybody sitting in here, for the most part, is friendly. We just have to give each other opportunities. So introduce yourselves. You know, find a face that you've never seen before. And just, you know, and one of the worst things is we have, some of you have trouble remembering names. And so you allow that to be a stopping point. Well, I, I know I introduced myself to this guy before. I can't remember his name. Okay. 
Yeah. Dorothy just clued me in. Don, I knew that. Okay, but don't allow. I mean, we're all there. You know, you've met somebody. You know, numerous times. Oh, don't allow that to be a stopping point. I know I've met you. What was your name again? And if you keep doing it, eventually it's going to stick, yeah. and you'll break that that barrier of well, I can't remember their name. Don't allow that to be the excuse. Or name tags is sometimes a good idea. So, so PF needs to be this place. You know, the, the body of Christ worldwide, but we're talking about PF. We're talking about you gathered here right now. Is that this needs to be the place where people get to know each other, where we stand with each other, where we understand that we can trust each other and bring our faults, bring our sicknesses, our issues to each other because that's where the healing occurs. It's in unity. It's in the body of Christ that this can happen. So we need to be that place where the word of God is preached, not lies and doctrines of man. So none of you will be captured or carried away by the enemy. And we don't have MII because we care for each other, because we know who each other are. And even if it's somebody, you know, out on the town, you know, you're walking through the mall and you, hate, you recognize a face. It's like, don't you go to PF? I mean, be bold enough to start making connections outside these walls. You know, when you see each other out in the community. So on to the handout with the next portion, the types of wounds. And these are the type of wounds that we can expect that the enemy will bring on us during the battle. The first one is the physical wounds. They're obvious, usually. Can be cuts, broken bones. You know, example, Peter cut off the servant's ear in the garden, right? Okay. He was fighting the battle. He wasn't going to let them take his Lord and Savior. What did Jesus do? He took the ear, stuck it back on there, healed him. Okay? The thing that he was trying to teach Peter and us is the battle isn't against that man. It's a spiritual battle that what was happening was part of God's plan. And it had to happen that way. And this man was an innocent bystander, if you will. He didn't, want, didn't need his ear cut off. So Jesus healed it. Because the battle is not against the man, it's against the spiritual wickedness that we're facing. So physical wounds are a part of the battle. And if we have it, some of you will get to see. Can you bring that shell shock picture up? Give me a thumbs up if we actually have it. So only those of you on this side get to see it. But it's a painting I saw years ago, um, my studies, my reading on World War II. And those of you that can see this man, um, you know, if I say shell shock, what they are seeing is a man that is just like has the army helmet on, just has a blank stare. Just, okay, that's not it, but um, that's the corpsman. But anyhow, shell shock um, is a term that was used per World War I, World War II, thousand yard stare. What we call it now is PTSD. And it's difficult to understand because the brain and soul are parts of us that we don't understand very well. And shell shock, PTSD, is when the brain and the soul have been so overwhelmed by what's going on around you that it just shuts you down. Okay? And many people, when they have this situation, shell shock, they're told, oh, it's just in your head. I mean, how many of you have had a problem, sickness of some sort, some disability? Oh, it's just in your head. I'm going to tell you they're right because we don't understand just how powerful this thing is, but also how vulnerable it is. 
is God did an amazing thing is he protects the brain with some pretty thick skull and with our senses. Our senses are there actually to protect us. Because if you see something hurtling at you, your senses, your reflexes, try and get you out of the way. Okay, so the brain's amazing. I mean, look at the things that people design, you know, the art, things that are created. The brain is very powerful, but it's also one of the most vulnerable parts of us to spiritual attack. Temptations, even our dreams that we can be attacked in. And that's why we're told to guard our heart and our eyes and ears from exposure to evil. Because if you can do that, it's going to keep you healthier. It's going to keep you stronger from having those emotional wounds. Um, the third category is spiritual wounds. In Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So you read that verse and, you know, crushed in spirit, obviously that's a wounding. If something gets crushed, it's wounded. And Ephesians 6, it talks about the spiritual armor. You know, you're all familiar with the spiritual armor, right? Yeah. Is the spiritual armor for our physical body? No. Obviously not, because it's spiritual armor. It doesn't protect our physical body from the things of the enemy. But because God knows the most important part of us is the spiritual part of us. And so the spiritual armor is for that protection. It's because the vulnerable parts of us are the spirit. And so God gave us the spiritual armor to protect the spirit. And when the spirit gets attacked, it can manifest in our physical body and our soul. And I just want to share a real quick story with spiritual wounding, spiritual battle that Ann and I have encountered. She had gone to Kenya about eight years ago came back and did some great things over there. Um, came back, though, the attacks of the enemy were pretty real. I mean, she had some things happen over there that, you know, maybe another time we'll share. But one night she wakes me up, or actually she didn't wake me up. I just woke up and I knew something wasn't quite right. And long st or short story of it is at some point we noticed that she had a cut right here on her upper chest and it had never been there wasn't bleeding but she just felt like it was a fresh wound and so I started praying and it went away okay mm -hmm. yeah it was probably a two inch scar right there very prominent very noticeable and Praying, seeking God, rebuking the enemy, it went away. Okay. So for the things that she was doing, she was serving God and doing things with her whole heart. And Satan was targeting her, wanted to take her out, wanted to discourage her from doing what she was doing. Okay. We didn't stand for that. You know, we joined together and we prayed and we rebuked the enemy. And it literally went away. So spiritual warfare is real. There's a lot of different things that people can share about. I mean, some of you in this room can share the exact same things that you've been through. That Satan does not want you doing, his, doing the work of the Father. Again, he wants you to be destroying each other with friendly fire, but we've got to make sure we stop doing that. All right. So all this talk about wounding, death, AWOL, captured. Does God have a provision for healing? Thank God, yes, he does. 
So God's provision for healing his wounded warriors is number one is Jehovah Rapha. It's one of the names of God that he you know, uses it himself, Jehovah Rapha. Um, Exodus 15, 25, 27, as the Hebrews have been wandering around the desert, they come to Marah, and the water is bitter there. And so the people start whining, you know, there's no good water here. So Moses is instructed by God to take a certain tree and throw it in the waters, and it becomes sweet water. And I just saw, I love how God uses things like that just to show um, the symbolism that he's bringing in, is because Jesus was thrown on a tree. And what was bitter was now made sweet by his death and his resurrection. And so Jehovah Rapha, he, he himself is healing. The second provision he makes is his son. And this is one of the cool things of how God works is we already read from Isaiah 61 this morning because of Samuel Oak Myers over there. But it's one of the scriptures that God had given me in this message. And in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So Jesus himself is part of the healing. He died on the cross to heal us, to break us free, to set us loose from the captivity that we're in. And communion is one of those things that we do to remind us of what Christ did. And so communion isn't something we've done in a while, but we are going to do again another one soon. So his son is one of the provisions for healing. The third provision he's given us is his spirit. John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17 say, He will send another comforter who will abide with us. So the Holy Spirit has been sent to us as part of the provision for healing. And one of the, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit include the gifts of healing and miracles. So the Holy Spirit not only is with us to comfort us, but he's also part of the provision for healing in our body, our soul, and our spirit. And then the last provision that God has made for his healing of his wounded warriors is his warriors, you and I. We're his hands and feet now. And in John 14, 12, it says, He that believes in me, in Jesus, the works I've done you will also do in greater works since I go to be with my Father. And just think of some of the things that Jesus did. He raised the dead. He healed leprosy. He healed blindness. All the things that Jesus did, we can do those same things in Christ through his blood by the power of the Holy Spirit. So all the needs that are in this church, he's given us the provisions for healing in them. So are you a wounded warrior? You know, don't have to have a show of hands, but if you have any physical, emotional, or spiritual wounds, you're a wounded warrior. And God's made provisions for that. And at this time, as we close the service this morning, I want to read one last scripture. And this is James chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. Is any among you sick? And I'm going to expand that. Is any among you wounded, physically, emotionally, or spiritually? 
Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and wounded, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So as we end this morning, confession and forgiveness are freeing and they're healing. Unconfessed sin and unforgiveness are poison. They're wounds that you continue to carry, dragging you down, making you less effective in the war, in the spiritual battle that we're in. So do what you will, but I'm telling you, if you've come in here wounded this morning, don't leave with your wounds. Bring them forward. Allow the cross, allow Christ, the Holy Spirit, allow those things to be healed in you so that you can take the gifts that God has given you and be more effective in the battle. Because again, Ephesians 6:12, we are in a spiritual battle, people. Don't just try and figure out what's going on or why you're struggling because of what you can see and hear with your senses, because you're going to miss it. The struggles that you're having are because of the spiritual battle. So if you have needs, if you have something that you want to confess, if you want to bring your wounds to the front, the elders and some of the others are going to be forward here for you, you to have them pray for you. But if you would, everybody stand up. And we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you when experts tell us that there's no hope that there's no victory, there's no answers, you tell them that's not true. That, Lord, as all those that are gathered here this morning stand before you, stand before your throne, that you will speak to hearts, that you will reveal wounds that maybe they've buried so deeply that they have forgotten about them, but they're there. Lord, we thank you for your love for us that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and be resurrected into newness of life that we could have that hope, that we can have that victory over sin and death and that we do not have to continue struggling and walking through this wounded and hopeless. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the body that you've created and for the works that you have in store for us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So go and have a great day. Be blessed. And if you have needs, do not leave without taking care of them.